Hello and welcome to Dowdy, the podcast where me, Mariana Feijó, talk to my guests about the concept of bravery, or braveness, even just the moments where folks have been slightly out of their comfort zones. This week I was brave because I left the edit of the podcast for very late in game. And as usually when that happens, the edit was filled with little mistakes, files being corrupted, but it's done. It's also the first Monday back after Christmas and New Year's break that I made myself take for two weeks and it's been horrible. I really didn't want to work today, but I made it through. This episode starts as Dowdy always starts with my guest Michaela Birch introducing herself. Yeah, my name is Michaela Birch. I'm from the United States. I'm a comedian. I'm from Detroit. It's my hometown. I've been doing comedy for three years now. Uh, I live in Amsterdam and uh, yeah, and I love it. So yeah, I do, I do comedy. I started doing improv. Uh, I also uh, like to make sketches and online content, which is fun. And on top of that, I work in a bank to pay the bills. Yeah, and I have a cat named Milo. It's uh, my daughter. Uh, she, she's a cutie pie. A little pet for this period of time, I think, yeah. is what I'm missing. Yeah. It's to have like something I can yeah. just cuddle. Yeah, our relationship is uh, really grown. By, yeah, because now I'm home all day and before I would go to work. Uh, but yeah, it's going pretty nice, I think, with, with her. Yeah. I've seen your video, like your latest, the latest video, I think you posted i think you were playing donald trump yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was fun <laughs> yeah thanks 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 yeah 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 so stuff like that is a lot of it, obviously with the election coming up i wanted to do something and yeah and i just thought of all the things that are wrong with trump uh and there were so many that i thought oh yeah i can make a rap out of this so uh yeah so so i made a rap but you know with um without there being many stages to perform on you kind of have to be a bit creative and how you stay creative nowadays so yeah <laughs> maybe that's a, a good project to take on how would you define bravery bravery yeah i would define bravery as making a move for a strong deep belief that you have despite um what's around you so maybe you're in, you're in a situation where you feel strongly about an ideal and you step out even though everybody in the room doesn't feel that way or everything in life has, I, I think it's more of just about trusting your heart. Because like say, you know, maybe everything in life has told you a certain idea. And at some point you decide to stand up and transcend that because you still, you find some light at the end of the tunnel within it. I don't know. I think there's a lot of ways to define bravery, but I'd say that would be more of uh, my definition for it. I thought that was very a very eloquent way to put it. Oh, okay. And I think yeah, well, it was you. great. Yeah. Have you thought about moments in your life in which you have been brave? Yeah, I thought about a few. I think the one that I would say I was most brave uh, was coming out. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm a lesbian and um, I grew up in the church. Yeah, and you know my, my parents were quite religious and literally everyone around me they thought of and spoke of queer people in quite a derogatory way. Uh, and I realized I was gay quite early on from like, yeah, maybe when I was 10 or something. Yeah. So, you know, coming into that and realizing those feelings and uh, having to shove those down well, yeah, was very quite hard, you know, and um, I don't think I was really okay with being me until I was about 20 or something. Like when, when I actually came out, I'd say that for sure. Of course there's been times, you know, when um, graduating my degree and, you know, I had, a, I had a breakup with my ex for like six years uh, and I was stuck in Holland. And I mean, yeah, it's just something you have to be brave. But I think that was definitely the most brave, I'd say. I think. Yeah. 
So you came out to your family yeah. when you were 20. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about oh, yeah, it, yeah. how exactly, was that? Yeah. In the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, it, it, yeah, I was in college and I had a, okay, so maybe I'll like go back to like the, the, the beginning. Um, so I was, second grade, I think, was maybe I was seven, was like the first crush, but I didn't really realize it was a crush. Uh, and it was this girl named Tiffany on the playground. And I just thought the, the, the world of Tiffany and I was trying to be her best friend, you know, I was taking a friend zone route, yeah. but you know, I didn't really realize what I was doing. <laughs> I remember I didn't really have any game. So I just pretty much bullied her. Cause I didn't know how you <laughs> went about expressing those feelings. And she, she either got a boyfriend or something, or I know some boy kissed her on the cheek and it, we were, we were on a playground. Yeah, and I remember she came up to me and she's like, oh my God, I'm never going to wash this cheek off. I'm never going to wash this cheek off. And she was so oh. excited and I was just boiling inside. Uh, and I didn't really understand why, you know? And then like, it was like every year there was a new girl when I was in third grade. It was, yeah, I had a crush on my teachers. So the, the mm -hmm. next one was a crush on my teacher. And I think by the fourth grade, it became apparent like, okay, yeah, this is a crush and I probably shouldn't tell anybody about this. So that's when I knew for sure that I, the feelings were there. But, you know, we went to church several times a week. I remember full sermons of people speaking, just completely just degrading, especially like yeah. gay men in the black church or yeah, in the 90s. Yeah, oh, they were like <laughs> demons pretty much. And then also the conversations with my family. Um, so I think I, by high school, I kind of learned an identity that I could stick with like a shell. Like it wasn't yeah. with me, but I, I learned how to survive is you know mm -hmm. kind of the social situation so you had like boyfriends and no stuff i never like that. i would say like i had a crush so girls you know they'd be like oh he's so cute oh my god brad oh my god chad and i'm like oh my god robbie <laughs> you know it's just so i can be <laughs> in the conversation but yeah it wasn't until i, I didn't date anybody i was you know, I, it was one girl who kissed me and um I, yes they definitely knew because i was always i found myself being attracted to gay people but anytime my mom mm -hmm. saw me hanging out with them she would try to pull me away and you know so when I went to college uh that's when I came out and I had a I had, yeah so I, I finally got a boyfriend it was like my first yeah but he's just like the first guy that worked pretty much and uh he was he was a nice guy you know but I was just excited to have a boyfriend I was like wow finally yeah <laughs> the night I came out I I was coming back from I was I was drinking or something and I was coming back to my dorm and there was like a, a dorm full of lesbians. <laughs> that was really funny. And uh, and this is like maybe one or two o'clock in the morning. And I was the only one like in the the, the square. So there was a bunch of like high rise buildings. And well, they were they were a couple stories long. And they were like on their balcony. And you can just see that they were like having a party or something. And I was walking back to my dorm. And I kept turning around. I was like, what are they doing? Like they sound like they're having so much fun. Um, so something in me. Yeah, I was just so attracted to it. Uh, it just went over there and uh, I knocked on the door and they all opened. I didn't really have a game plan. So I was just like, hi. <laughs> and they were like, hi. And we just stared at each other awkwardly for a moment and they invited me in. And we started talking and to them was the first time I actually admitted that I was gay. And they were like, oh, we knew. Oh, yeah, they, they see, see me around. So then I felt much better after that. But then I felt quite ashamed of them. It, it was, you know, really weird trying to come into the realization of, or the acceptance is more so. Yeah. But I had a group of friends. It was like, uh, these are like my first like friends. So I felt like liked me for me, or at least mm -hmm. that it felt that way. Uh, and they were all like, yeah, around my age. And we all lived together in the same dorm. So I came out to them 
and they were like, yeah, they, they kind of realized, uh, but they love me anyway. So that was like the first time and I was like, what? Oh my God. You know, I was, I've been always wanting that. And that made me feel so much better about myself. So I was just happy to sit on that for a while. Like, oh my God, I have friends. <laughs> like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> After that, I slowly began to come out to different members of my uh, of my family, which were uh, different for each person. My mom, the hardest, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do you think you felt ashamed of the lesbians? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it definitely came down to just how I was learning to think about gay people mm-hmm. and being so ashamed of it for myself. You know, I, I grew up to realize that this is something that you should be afraid of or that you don't want to be. And I remember I was quite religious uh, as a kid. Like I, I grew up Christian, but I definitely like read the Bible and I definitely believed, you know, in Christianity. And, and I remember being mad at God in high school being like, why did you, why did you make me like this? You know, if you're supposed to be like this really cool guy, like I don't understand. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, it was, it was taught to me, like, this is something you should stay away from at all costs. And also, yeah. And just, you know, again, like my mom, you know, seeing how, uh, my mom would would treat people or, or well, she, the way she would talk about them, the way she would like really like yeah. make efforts to pull away. But I think that she knew I was gay and was, yeah. And trying was to, trying to get you to yeah, stay away yeah, from exactly. it. Exactly. That's what I think her game plan was, you know, but, uh, but I mean, now like we're really close and, you know, I love my mom to death and, um, Yeah, I think this has been a learning experience uh, for her as well, which is great because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people don't have that same experience. But yeah, that's what I think it was. I think I just learned to be ashamed of it and I just was never comfortable with it. And then anytime I saw a lesbian, it was just like all these mixed emotions coming in at once, uh, you know, because yeah. at one hand you have like, oh, you should hate this person. But then you're like, but I identify, but also I'm really curious But I hate that I feel this way. Yeah, it was pretty much yeah. a tornado of feelings. And then after you came out, was it like all fun and games from there? Uh, no, it was difficult because I pretty much had no experience in dating. Mm-hmm. And then I had a boyfriend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I, had it. I forgot that. I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah. So I, I yeah. So the first girl who yeah, I remember the first time I saw a lesbian who like a girl who actually liked girls who I felt attracted to. I was like, oh my God, I could date that girl, you know, because I, I never knew anybody, you know? And yeah. yeah and, I, and I just, I didn't really have much game. I didn't know what I was doing. So like, I, I, I think she was interested. Like she came over to my dorm one night, but I was like too afraid to make a move. Like <laughs> you're just a 20 year old closeted lesbian. You're like, you don't really know what to do. And you know, you didn't really date any girls before that. And then there was a girl on a basketball team who, uh, yeah, I remember I, I came in after like practice one day And she got her shirt off and she got her nipple pierced. So I was like staring at it and she caught me staring and she winked at me. And I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and, and, I, and I tried to, I tried to go after her, but yeah, I just totally blew it. Yeah, definitely. I was quite frustrated that I couldn't, you know, get, 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 get the girl together. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. until I was like 20. Yeah. No, 21 until I met when I, when I met my ex. So, um, yeah, she was a great girl, but I think, yeah, it was quite difficult. Like, navigating how to go about dating in a queer community but on the other hand I definitely felt much better about myself because I, I had friends there and this is like you're in college so you're partying all the time and yeah you're away from home so either way I was still really happy and I went out and I got a bunch of rainbow belts and shirts yeah I was representing you know the, the yeah community. just like properly going into like showing off yeah like, exactly yeah, i am a lesbian yeah yeah, yeah. i was See like me. i had a shirt yeah. a tie-dye shirt that said i kiss girls and i hit it yeah because i definitely didn't want my mom to see it but you know yeah. outside of that <laughs> yeah 
I was definitely representing the squad. I don't know, like, uh, you probably don't have the um, insight to, to tell me if you agree with me or not, because you have uh, only dated, you had a boyfriend, but you've only dated women. But I, I'm queer, pansexual, if you will. So I date across the gender spectrum. Yeah. But I feel like it's way more easy to date men and to, like... I don't know, just go out and yeah. get a guy yeah. than to get a woman because <laughs> yeah. they're way harder to... <laughs> you gotta set all types of traps and yeah. tricks and do backflips. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like maybe when you wanted to experiment and, yeah. like, I don't know, do things that weren't as, as commitment-full... Yeah. Uh, uh, um, maybe that's harder for as a lesbian, as someone who will yeah. date women yeah. to do that. So yeah. yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Well, because like with the boy, oh yeah, so the boy, yeah, so I called him and broke up with him. I, I probably should have mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless his heart, though, he was sweet. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think so too. I think guys tend to be a bit more like just direct and easy to read. And I think with women, a lot of times there are these indirect ways of uh, showing interest or being being a bit backwards. So you say one thing, but it's like, oh, but I actually wanted you to ask me out. And it's like, what? Like, so I think, you know, it takes quite a bit of dating to definitely catch on to that. And that also, I think a big issue is that uh, uh, I didn't understand myself. You know, even though I'm a woman, I think I kind of just repressed and ran from all of my sexual experiences or understanding. I imagine if you're in high school and you're dating, you know, then you catch on to this, but if you yeah. just box everything out and you don't even understand yourself and how you respond, then you're so far behind by the time you get to college. So um, yeah, it definitely took me a few years to, uh, and it was like really when I broke up with my ex, you know, and then I started dating other girls. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. okay. Oh, they, okay. That, this, oh, why? Oh, so yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, now it makes uh, a lot more sense. But I think I would say like the biggest thing with dating women is that you have to be more of a, a magnet. That sounds <laughs> so with guys, you know, they're, they're already it's it's easy. You know, they yeah, yeah. But girls are like hiding their cards a lot easier or a, a lot more difficult. So you have to be more of a magnet. You have to like a girl has to like attract herself to you. And like, oh, OK, she's interested now because, mm -hmm. yeah, there's been times where, you, you know, when you're like, yeah, you, the crush is on the street friends and you're just beating your head against the wall. Y yeah. And you can't see that a girl doesn't like you, but she's not telling you because she doesn't be mean. Yeah. And it's just a, yeah. <laughs> a disaster. <laughs> yeah. I think there's like there's part part of it is that people are not as direct, right? Yeah, so you definitely. Don't want to hurt yeah. the other person, but there's also like an expectation, maybe I think because we live in a pa patriarchal world, yeah. that someone else has to ask you out or whatever. Yeah, so definitely. Yeah, you're both like trying to mm, should I should yeah. I wait for her to ask me out? Yeah, it's I definitely. Like, yeah, yeah. And I think with a lot of uh, uh, lesbian relationships, just queer relationships, there is a lot of, because I think within the, uh, a, a straight couple, you know, there's a lot of gender roles. And I think that those yeah. are definitely influence why people act the way they do, but there's more of a, a, okay, this is supposed to be your responsibility. And I think with like, if you're dating another woman, like you don't really know how she is. I mean, some women are quite direct, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, when I had, like I had a date a while back and um, like when it comes to like paying, you know, usually I'm like, oh, let's just split it. And most girls are completely fine with that. But this girl insisted on paying. So I'm like, oh, okay, maybe that's just more. So it's a lot of like reading to kind of see what type of energy the other person's at. Mm -hmm. But you also want somebody who matches you 
you know yeah so that can be quite difficult yeah, <laughs> yeah. and like learning that i yeah. think in a, in one way also maybe it's even it may be better to to navigate that as an adult than as a teenager yeah. everyone in life i'm not saying that just like for a queer person for everyone as a kid you're yeah. maybe it's it's so complicated to know what is better is it better to try everything as a kid and then you will know how to act when you're in your 20s yeah, or 30s exactly. or will you get like hurt and traumatized as a kid and then yeah. as an adult you kind of know what you want i don't know it's yeah. very hard to, to know what's better but I think either way like you're gonna get hurt because you know yeah. the reality is that you know the majority of girls who I'm attracted to aren't gonna want me back you know I can't yeah so I mean <laughs> whoever like regardless of the person dating they're gonna get hurt and I think you need you know you need the experience definitely and of course when you date as you get older you're just more wise about things like especially if you're having um sex with someone with a penis Yeah, I mean, you probably should probably check out birth control. <laughs> you probably should yeah. be on it if you, <laughs> if you don't want to have kids, you know. So, yeah, I, I think it's quite an interesting topic, though, about uh, th just queer dating. And I, and I think I don't personally know any lesbian coaches out there. So you just kind of left to figure it out. Uh, and I think yeah. that's a great field for, yeah, maybe I'll do that someday, you know? Yeah, yeah they, I think a lot of people need help with that because for me, I just had no one, you know, but just like my fantasy pretty much. It's also hard. I don't know if you felt that. I've had this conversation with another guest that sometimes the queer communities you have access to are there's a lot of groups within the queer community or like specific things uh, people are into or the way they present themselves like yeah. more femme or butch or whatever yeah. and sometimes it feels like there's groups within the community oh, yeah. and that you can't can't be there Definitely. for all of them yeah. and you, you're not sure which group you belong to yeah and sometimes that's hard how do you navigate that yeah definitely i think that in some cases i've i've felt more out of place within the queer community within mm -hmm. society and like society as a whole and i think that's messed up because if you think that uh, a lot of people come from really difficult backgrounds to accept themselves you would think that the queer community is supposed to be you know welcoming but that's not mm -hmm. always the case yeah and i think there is often like a lot of labels and stuff uh placed on people and yeah that's uh uh that, that's quite difficult and uh i'm not sure if people realize like you know you, you go into a gay club and it, there's been times where I, like i go into a gay club and I'll start talking to a girl and I, I'm not necessarily like hitting on her. I mean, sometimes, but you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then immediately she like turns the corners. It's kind of like, Oh, don't talk to me. And this is like, what? <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you in here? If you don't want to talk to girls, but also, you, you know, it's kind of like, what's with this attitude, you know, like maybe I just was having a bad night and thought you'd be pretty cool to talk to. I've actually like last Friday. Yes. Last Friday, I went on like an online dating thing yep. uh, that was targeted at queer polyamorous women and non-binary people. Uh, so it was very specific and very label well heavy and one of the people in that was there to date was against labels and i like i have uh, a weird uh, re relationship with labels because yeah. i think they are important because they help you know who you are sometimes yeah. when you figure out for me when i figured out polyamory was a thing that existed yeah. it made it easier for me to navigate that world and understand what i wanted in it so i think they are important they give yeah. you community sometimes a safe place to be but they can also be very limitative yeah uh, 
definitely. limit yeah. who you want to date as well or yeah. who you can date or yeah. who will be or whatever they're limitative in so many ways yeah yeah i definitely uh agree with that too and i also think that there's a lot of judgment within the queer community about different labels so for instance bisexuals i see that with a lot of lesbians are like oh she's bi mm -mm. i don't even, i don't even want to be in the same room it's like you know come on like that's a bit <laughs> You know, it's a bit ridiculous, you, you know, like just because somebody's bi doesn't mean that they're a manipulative cunt, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it depends. Some bi people are, but also some lesbians are, you know, yeah, and I, I think people judge certain labels and yeah, and it's not, of course, everybody in the queer community, but it's just like these outliers that really can destroy a night. But yeah, um, yeah I think labels are, that's a great point you make that, you know, it helps you figure out yourself. And I imagine that, you know, if you're a young queer person or you maybe you're new and you just realize that you have you know different feelings that you didn't you know realize were there before that could be a nice way of understanding yourself but I think you know at the end of the day everybody should decide what they like or what what what, what is up for them I mean for labels I mean yeah sure they work for you if uh, that's cool if not you know that's cool too but for me I mean I would say lesbian most closely identifies what I am, you know, but mm -hmm. yeah, but I'm not going to judge somebody else because, you know, they want to label themselves or not. I like, I just crossed my mind the idea of like when you are learning something, uh, you also like follow the rules very, like you are learning improv. Yeah. When you start learning improv, you follow the rules very precisely. Yeah, and then yeah. it comes a point where you just let, let go of the rules and you just like freely improvised. I think we should think of life and sexuality and whatever in the same way. Yeah. You like learn the rules and then just like experiment. Improvise on the free. spot. Yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. I I think that, that that's a that's a great idea. You know, or just the fundamental belief of like, you know, everybody has the right over their own life and to yeah. live that and express in ways whatever, you know, way they choose. And if it doesn't make sense, so what? You know, I mean, if I got yeah. a boyfriend next week, I'm sure there'd be everyone like, what? I thought you were gay. <laughs> you know, but if if that's what I thought would make me happy, you know, yeah. Like what's, what's so yeah. bad about that? Yeah, I totally agree. Are there like on the other side of the spectrum, yeah. were there moments in your life in which you haven't done something because you were afraid or for lack of bravery? Oh, um times i didn't rise to the challenge yeah i'm definitely sure there are uh i'm trying to think which one i want to talk about <laughs> you can talk about more than oh, one if a choice yeah. is hard okay something with bravery is in this but i think there's a lot of other factors but mm -hmm. when i was younger i uh my dream was being a WNBA. like that was i didn't care about school i didn't care about nothing i just wanted to play basketball and be a pro player at that that was my I wrote it like on everything there's like in the houses that we lived in on the walls I write my name's Michaela and I will be in the W it was like manifesting when you're like eight uh, yeah. but I just love basketball so so much and the problem that I had with it because I was good um but I ended up tearing both my ACLs like literally one and a half years apart um which was extremely difficult and which broke my heart because you know I couldn't do like the sharp curves anymore and like every time I would jump you know you're, you're you can't play on autopilot anymore because every time you yeah. move or jump you're constantly thinking about your knee yeah and uh and there was also other girls in the teams that were being like scouted and yeah I'm not gonna lie I was jealous you know because I, I wanted to go like be scouting to play basketball in uh uh in university yeah but but it didn't really work for me and i think that mm -hmm. if i had more of a heart to be brave i, I guess i just kind of accepted the cards I'm like oh well you know maybe it's 
what did I say? Yeah, I, I accepted that it wasn't going to happen for me. But I think that if I could have been more brave, you know, to, to really go for it. And I mean, to really put in the work, you, you know, as far as like waking up early to, to, to shoot your free throws and your jump shots and uh, not giving up. Um, who knows, you know, maybe I, maybe I could have made it someday, but yeah, I was, that was definitely like my first heartbreak. I was so heartbroken by that. I wanted that so bad. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess a similar logic would be with the LSAT. Yeah. I think in the past there's been times where I didn't, like I would try something, I would fail the first time. And then after that, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to do something else because you don't like the feeling of course, uh, yeah. failing. But you know, as I get older, I realize, yeah, you, you can't, think that way you know yeah if, if you want to be a comedian you know yeah the first times you go up like you're, you're not going to be good or you're yeah, going to ball you're and fail and fail and yeah. fail yeah. And there's going to be people who think you're garbage but you know you you have to be brave and to, to really think that um you can get better and you can do it you know and um when you're younger you just don't really have that mind maybe some people do but I didn't yeah I have the same I feel like I, I gave up on a lot of things yeah. as a younger person yeah. and now I don't I just keep going for comedy yeah and I, I don't yeah. know uh there's like part of me that doesn't know who, if it's because I just got older and I understand uh, yeah. the importance of failure or if it's just because I found something I really I really like and I really want to do yeah I think it's maybe that you just get stronger you know and, and I, I follow like uh, a lot of like life coaches and there's one guy he does a lot of like men's dating advice Steph is cold he, yeah he's great and he's 21 and then like just listening to this guy's mindset you know just like so strong so tenacious yeah and maybe that's something that everybody has to go through hardship and, and come into it eventually at some mm -hmm. point yeah but so i'm not sure if it's if it's something necessarily based on age or maybe some people just get there faster than others but i mean it's quite inspiring to see you know somebody in their young 20s that just yeah. has that mindset i was like i was just happy to have friends like that was as far <laughs> as i was thinking when i was that age yeah yeah definitely i think i was in the same boat i just like i just want friends yeah 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 <laughs> definitely is there something coming up in your life that will require you to be brave in order to achieve Ooh, yeah well i think now i'm focusing on on structure and persistence so yeah there's not much comedy going on within the stages so i've mm -hmm. set some like personal goals for myself and as far as like creating videos and writing jokes and and really sticking to it, you know, and the world is such in chaos now that it's so easy to just be like, you know, no, you know, fucking, I'm just going to lay around the house tonight and, and chill out, you know, but yeah, but re really setting yourself to do those everyday tasks that you really don't want to do mm -hmm. because you think in a long one that it's, it's going to work out for you. I think that that's, that's the biggest thing for me now is like learning just how to manage myself and learning how to get better. It, yeah, it's pretty much my focus. As far as, you know, beyond that, I mean, yeah, everything's kind of at the standpoint, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah work is just work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, being a comedian already is really brave. Yeah, not only, and I think for me, the biggest, the biggest hurdle is like writing your own material and like, you know, because that's, I was like, oh my God, what if it's not funny or somebody tells you yeah. to say this and then it works. So you just keep saying that joke, even though you don't necessarily feel it, but mm -hmm. you say it because you know that it works. So yeah, so now I'm doing a class, uh, it's online with Coriana McGuire. Uh, she's an Irish comedian based in London. <laughs> yeah, I can't. 
I'm butchering your name. Oh, is it Grania? Yeah, Grania. Grania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, but, uh, yeah, which is a really great class. And it's on Saturdays. Yeah, and, and I, what I like about that class is like, it's just, it's taking your words and you're learning really how to do it, you know? And uh, I think being brave with that or going on stage with a whole new set of jokes that you wrote that you think are funny that you want to try is, yeah, it's, I mean, I think that's that's the biggest hurdle that you have to get over, I think, as a comedian, uh, at least for me. And yeah, that's quite brave, I think. And also like knowing that maybe people won't laugh and maybe you yeah. will have to tweak it after you go on stage yeah. with it. So there's always that yeah. uh, and it, and it back and forth. Going, you know, because you have uh, gigs where you just, you bomb so so bad it's like why would you want to go back on the stage yeah yeah i remember my, my worst was in detroit the worst bomb that i had uh and that was the first show that my mom my mom my, my entire family saw uh but then i went up there and then i tried to memorize all every word of my set er, at, in the beginning and then i mm -hmm. skipped the line and i started freaking out in my head and then you can just see the freak out on my face and my mom recorded the entire thing on her ipad and it's just <laughs> The worst feeling ever. Did your family see you uh, perform after that? Yeah. So uh, okay. last year, yeah. So that went good. So I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> They don't think I'm garbage anymore. Yeah. No, you have more. You have more experience. So I went back as well last year in Detroit, and that, yeah, that set went much better, which was nice. Uh, but I just remember that first set, you know, because I'm like posting all these things on social media, and they're just kind of like, oh wow, is Michaela funny? Wow, I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel that's funny because I also like I'm Portuguese, so yeah. and I live in London, and I post a lot of things on social media, yeah. and then people are like, "Oh, she's doing really well," and I'm like, mm, doing some open mics. Yeah, because I just see you getting you know the the, times. the extent the extent in which you are doing well is very subjective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the way people that aren't into in, in comedy the, <laughs> in, the, in comedy understand it is very weird. And then that's funny. Yeah, you're like you're doing a podcast. Great for you. Yes, I'm. I'm. I got my I yeah. produced it myself, and people do listen. But it's not like I got a a gig to produce a podcast. No, I'm doing it myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's super <laughs> yeah, funny. That's true though, because they'll see you doing an open mic and they're like, "Wow, she's blowing up!" It's like, yeah. but you know, to them, they don't like. <laughs> you know, like, you realize I probably have like another eight years down the line of co hard comedy work before I get an opportunity to do anything big. But <laughs> they don't yeah. see it that way. How do you get? Uh, because you were talking about like uh, setting goals for yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you are you working mostly by yourself, or like do you work with others to write material? And how do you keep yourself accountable for yeah. doing it? Because that's one of the har hardest things. Yeah, that's for definitely me. the hardest question out of all that. For me, I I've come to realize that if I truly want to be great at comedy, I need to figure it out on my own. You know. I have to figure out how to make my voice work. So in the beginning, I would like have I would have ideals and, but the things that like you kind of shoot yourself in the foot because you write something that you think is funny and then I'm like, oh my god, hey, check this out. And then that person gives all their critiques and then you go to three other people and they have different critiques. So then what I would do is I approach it as a research paper. So I would take mm -hmm. what that person said, what that person said, and that person said and try to make everybody happy. And then I go on stage with something I never even felt in the first place, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So I was super guilty of that, like a lot. So now uh, my focus is really taking my voice and really putting it as what I think is funny and really trying to figure it out. Um, mm -hmm. So definitely the classes um, help. And uh, what's really cool about the pandemic, well, one good thing about it is that since a lot of comedians can't perform, they're giving classes. So, you know, yeah. when, once, I'm fun with, when, once I'm done with the Karana's class, 
uh, I'm going to do another one, you know, and, uh, uh, learn, and then learn from different people. And I also did one from yeah. a guy back in the States. It was a comedian in Detroit. And, that, and that's nice because he said different things than uh, what, <laughs> how do you say it? Grania. Grania. Yeah. <laughs> what Grania said. But they're all really great points, you know. So, so what's cool about that, if you just look at the way they think about comedy, then you can take what works from you and then mm -hmm. begin to write your own. And as far as the goal setting, yeah, I have to figure out how to, I was thinking about that today. Because what I do in the mornings is I write down on, I have this little chalkboard in my room and points what I have to do that day. Uh, most of the times I get stuff done, but I think if I try to make my time more tight, that might be better. Um, Cause now, and then, and then I try, and I think I overset. Cause at first I was like, okay, yeah. uh, make one video a week, uh, like uh, a sketch a week, uh, post something on TikTok. Cause it'd be nice to like grow that as well. Uh, write a joke a week that you can post on your uh, sharing platforms, uh, you know, and then, after a while, it becomes a bit of like, okay, maybe you're doing too much. So you have to like refine yeah. it, you know? Yeah, I guess it depends on each person's goal, but I'm still trying to figure that out actually. So I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like what, because you, you, you know, you also like need time for yourself. And if you're working 40 hours a week, you know, you still need that like just break on your own. Uh, and then also the classes and stuff that you're doing. Yeah, and I think it's particularly hard now because with lockdown, especially like with lock, if you do need to stay home, you don't have like your usual input of like yeah. I don't know your office mates or your are going to the supermarket, which you still go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you don't have like the same kind of interactions that yeah. I think feed feed your comedy a lot. Yeah, exactly. So it, it yeah. becomes harder. But I I do think like setting goals is really hard because yeah, you may have like um a really high goal of something you want to achieve with your comedy, like, I don't know, getting a writing job or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. But then there's, that's a really hard thing to work towards yeah. if you don't set yourself smaller goals of how to get there and yeah. how to write more frequently yeah. or things yeah. like that. Yeah, that, that, that's, yeah, that's true. Because ultimately I would like that. I would love that. You know, I mean, who wouldn't want a writer job on some really dope yeah. show? That's awesome. Yeah, but I guess if I'm looking at uh myself now as like the fullest realist objective uh, uh point of view i would say you need you, you need to work in your game so that's i'm like okay i need to learn how to you know all the uh, you know what are people doing that i'm not doing you know so i think that that's at least for me my goal now is like how can i get better so uh, yeah i think you know just really really trying i think just being being brave <laughs> to bring it back to the concept <laughs> Uh, and what I like about Karania's class is that uh, she has these exercises. You have to write like punchlines or write jokes. And then everybody goes around and says, you know, their joke. Uh, and I'm not really much of a one-liner comedian. Yeah. Um, but I'm getting better, you know. Um, but what I like about it is that, you know, now I'm writing. I'm like, oh, I think this is funny. So I'll say it. And, you know, maybe the next person has something that's way funnier. But I can laugh with them. And you have a bit more, <laughs> you, you, you know, slowly... You're shedding away those insecurities. And I, that's what I think it's yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. I think that with everything, like with being on stage and all of that, like yeah. after you bond the first time and the second yeah, time. Yeah. And then like you also do well yeah. in like more more gigs than those in which you bomb probably. Yeah. So that will build your confidence. Even yeah. when you bomb, definitely... you don't get as yeah. destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely bombing and going back. That's and then I think especially the feeling of you know you bomb and you you feel shitty about it because you want to be better you know yeah. because of that you know you go home the next day and you write 
and then you get back yeah. on the stage. You know, it's like that comeback, you know, is I think what builds your confidence. You also produce a show called The Cunnilingus Show, which from what I see from social media, it's like also doing very well. And yeah. you do it, it's an LGBTQ show. So you do it to promote people in comedy from the LGBTQ community. Yeah. How do you go about promoting others and like uh, doing yeah. work yeah. that uh, is helping others grow in their craft yeah. and yeah. giving them stage time and then also working for yourself? Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, so the, the show is The Cunnilingus Show. And I, so when I first started the show, I wanted something that reflected my personality. You know, I was a bit unsure about like the message, but I wanted something definitely that reflected my personality. And that was fun. That was positive. Uh, and I love the name of The Cunnilingus Show. So I had this like concept of uh, like me being the kind of linguist in the audience is the <laughs> vagina and I'm leading them through a good night and the comedians are the laughgasms and yeah and there's also a drag act and yeah so it's just like I, but I, I think it's it's really like a variety show so I've been having a lot of fun with that because it's like okay for this edition what do I want to do now and then of course it's a, it's a stand-up comedy show so you have the comedians come in and then also I love the ideal of offering the platform for uh, female comedians or queer comedians. And there's a lot of people who, there's one non-binary person uh, who was amazing, is also doing a PhD in science or something, I can't remember, but really amazing. And I would have never found them mm -hmm. if they weren't at the show, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it does offer a lot of avenues for uh, a different types of comedians, which, which is great. But I think for that, at, at first, I was thinking about it too mechanically and then I started thinking like, you know, just what, what do you think is fun? You know? So for the last, well, the Halloween edition was canceled, unfortunately, but uh, I had a drag at the chameleon and it, she wanted to do a remake to thriller uh, for the performance. And I was so excited. And then I had a, a few like improv Halloween games playing, you know? So if I, I approach it like, oh, okay, this would be a really fun night and thing to do. Yeah. And I host it. Uh, then it's a lot of fun, definitely. Yeah, so so it, it's definitely a lot of fun. I'm excited to bring it back. Now it's kind of on timeout, you know, because of all of the... Yeah. Of the world? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure you're aware. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's definitely, definitely a lot of fun. Another thing, and I like, I hate when people ask me this question, so feel free to hate it as well. <laughs> but, but how do you find it different, both like comedy and just like, life in general about living in the US and living in the Netherlands um, and maybe specifically yeah g generalizing the US and the yeah. Netherlands is weird so living in Detroit yeah. and living in Amsterdam yeah which is how do I think about comedy in the US in uh, Amsterdam yeah well I've only done a few shows I've done like two shows in Detroit two or three mm -hmm. I did a show in Chicago and I did one in Windsor and I mean, each scene is different, you know? And, well, one thing I will say is Amsterdam, we're blessed, hella blessed, because you can get so much stage time. And it's kind of like this, like, comedy training breeding camp <laughs> where, you know, people can't see you in your shit days. So, you, you know, you yeah. can go to the U.S., uh, you know, and they're like, oh, here you am, don't go. Like, Yo, you're pretty good, you know? And <laughs> But meanwhile, in Amsterdam, you've been, <laughs> you know... <laughs> uh yeah really bombing yeah but uh what i like about amsterdam is that you yeah you, you can get a ton of stage time in the u.s a lot of times are like five minutes or you know chicago is extremely competitive yeah. everybody was so good and I've, i went there was, i was doing comedy for like two years 
I didn't have a bad set, but I was just looking at people and I was like, you know, their material is just better, you know? And I, th I think in, a, in an environment like that, it would be hard to to get ahead, but also, you know, to, to stay in a good headspace. Yeah. And then also American is just super competitive as is. So, <laughs> you know, like the, the whole like CV vibe, you know, everyone's yeah. like really, really obsessed. What do you do? Yeah. What do you do? What have you been on? <laughs> You're a loser. Yeah. It's just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, I had a friend and I was working at this startup company doing KYC. Yeah. Like banking analysis stuff. And uh, he was like, Hey, you should try comedy, you know? And, and, you know, it's kind of came up a bit in the past, but in my mind, I was like, yeah, you go to school, you, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a lawyer. I think I was just trying to like, I was trying to get the bag, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I didn't really have a, a, a solid awareness of who I was. Um, but then I just broke up with my ex and I was kind of in, in the searching idea or the, the searching headspace. So I tried comedy uh, and I was like, that was a lot of fun. I, I think I'm going to do that again. So I think, and that was like when the Amsterdam scene, like there were shows, but now, especially over the last couple of years, has really grown, and I yeah, I feel quite fortunate to just have been here really at the right time, and then that's really helped me to develop, you know. And then also starting your own show in Amsterdam, it's yeah, it, it's just a lot easier to get it off the ground because there's less competition. Yeah, uh, and it's great that there's like such a big English-speaking scene in Amsterdam. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Is it bigger than the um, Dutch scene? Hmm. It might be. I mean, I think it's definitely more lit than the Dutch scene. <laughs> no offense to the Dutch people, but yeah, yeah, it could be a bit dry. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think there's just a lot of like initiatives going on, and, and there's a lot of Dutch communities who also do English comedy and prefer to do English comedy. And yeah. I think the scenes are quite segregated. Uh, and as far as like where they go, so like Amsterdam is like the hub spot of English comedy. There's also a lot going on in Rotterdam. There's a few shows in The Hague. And then, like, in really sporadic areas. But, like, the Dutch scene will be, yeah, in some, like, yeah. Well, they have uh, Utrecht, you know, let me not, you know. Yeah, there's some nice Dutch shows. So I don't want anybody who's yeah. watching this to be like, oh, Michaelis <laughs> is trashing the Dutch scene. I'm not, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got jokes, too. But <laughs> I think that the scenes are very divided, you know. And then also the audiences are different. And I think uh, there's been shows where they try to mix the audience or mix, mix a comedian. So there's an English comedian, then there's a Dutch one, and they're, yeah, and I think people in their minds are like, ah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it works. Yeah, very well. So, um, but I will say in Holland, like if you want to do comedy in Dutch, there's yeah, I mean I, clearly there's there's more opportunities for that for you than you know for English if you're really trying to move to the next level. Yeah, is there someone in your life, be it like um, uh, a real person or a fictional person or like some public figure or someone just from your life that no one else knows but you that you will use as an example of bravery hmm man pop up on me with these uh it's a good question <laughs> oh okay i'd say well two one is uh mom's mabley do you know who she is yeah i do yeah yeah i found about her like uh this past year yeah so same. it's fresh yeah. pretty yeah. yeah and i remember like seeing i was like oh my god that was a person i felt guilty for not knowing that she existed. exactly yeah so and she had a career for like over 50 something years mm -hmm. which is insane because she started back in like the, the 20s imagine doing yeah. comedy as, as an african-american woman who I think she was queer. She she had some reports of dating some girls. She was queer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think she yeah. <laughs> was living a very traditional life. Uh, yeah. So as a queer African-American comedian back in the 1920s, 
and she had an extremely hard upbringing. I, I think she grew up in like somewhere in like the remote area of Ohio and ran away and, you know, was raped and, you know, had babies from being raped and just joined the circus. And I mean, imagine like how hard she must have worked, you know, and how much adversity she must have faced. Mm -hmm. uh, and to see her like on TV, I mean, her jokes are good. You know, yeah, yeah, she, she's really, really good. She has this one, she, she says that somebody asked for her to drop her drawers and she misunderstood her. But it's like, it's this, it's this character and I like the character too. That's what mm -hmm. I notice a lot about older uh, comedians is they really think about their character on stage. So you have your jokes and it's like, okay, who do you want to deliver them as? Yeah, and, and, and I just really, I was watching a documentary about her and I just felt very inspired that she existed because she made it easier for me, you know? Now it's yeah. not so weird that I'm doing comedy, you know, because she came before me, so. And another one I'd say is uh, Lily Singh. I really like Lily Singh. I love mm -hmm. her, her sketches. And yeah, I was reading a lot about her bio. Yeah, and you know, she suffered a lot of like depression and just like dark emotions and found YouTube as an outlet of escaping that. Uh, and was posting sketches like every day. I mean, these are great sketches. She plays everybody. Mm -hmm. And now she has a late night show. Yeah. I will, okay, I wouldn't put her in the same caliber as like Miles Mabley as like influencing, but there's something about her that I really identify with and I really like. Yeah, and good luck to her with her, uh, yeah, her show. I think that's a good, like that idea of uh, being in a dark place and trying to do something every day to yeah. keep you yeah, out yeah, of that dark place yeah, is, yeah, yeah. it's probably even something good for us to listen at this period in time where it's so hard to, to do stuff and yeah. like you, you will get, it's dark, it's, What, what are they saying now on like social media? It's the seasonal depression, yeah. the um, COVID depression, the US election depression. Yeah. So all of them are yeah, exactly. uh, getting, getting together. Um, and yeah, maybe just like do a sketch on YouTube. Maybe we'll make you yeah. at least not be there in that dark place yeah. for yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. so long. We're arriving to the end of the podcast. Oh. And there's only one one other thing I will want to ask you about, which yeah. is plugs. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I don't think I really have anything going on now. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're ever in Amsterdam sometime, whenever the world opens back up, check out the Cunnilingus show. It's an awesome comedy variety show. Uh, very queer, very colorful. It's a ton of fun. Um, so yeah, so, so come check it out. There's games. Yeah, you can win prizes. We have sex toys. There's joints. It's Amsterdam after all. Yeah, other than that, I don't really know what else. They can follow you on social media and check out your oh, videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so I'm, a, I'm a bit new to this. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, feel free. Uh, my name is Michaela Birch to follow me at uh, Mickey the Martian on uh, Instagram and on Facebook, just Michaela Birch. And I also have a YouTube channel with some videos put up. Uh, also, Michaela Birch. And did you mention TikTok? Oh, yeah. So that's also Mickey the Martian. And I'm working on it. Yeah, but it's good that you're pointing it out now because I'm like, oh, I really need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about TikTok today and, and yeah. whether I want to fully go into it because, like, I have an account, I haven't posted anything, so yeah. I'm thinking, do you? Do I want to? Yeah. To do that? It's like building Don't up I momentum, want to do that? you know? Is like, yeah, uh, yeah. But I'm a bit like, you know, you should get on it now, and you know, I think. Well, I mean, maybe this for at least my opinion, but you know, um, if you want to be in entertainment, it, you know, it's probably good to get a head start on those things but you know hey there's people out there like jordan peele who doesn't have an instagram at all he's one of the, <laughs> the best writers in the world so uh, yes. hey. <laughs> i was also thinking about him yeah, today because well. yeah because it's like uh 
Uh, Jordan Peele is someone I truly like admire yeah, because I love so the way talented. he oh my god uh, so talented yeah. in comedies and then he got out of and then and has done horror and ha- does yeah, so much I and is so that. good in all of it it's like incredible it and sometimes I forget about him yeah. because yeah. he's not like that big um, a celebrity I guess but he's great amazing yeah, yeah. he's so talented oh my god yeah he's definitely like yeah I would say one of your idols or influencers I'd say for sure yeah yeah thank you so much for uh, being a guest at my podcast Mikhail oh no, yeah it's, thank you uh, It, it is wonderful to be able to like live in a world outside of lockdown when you get to visit Amsterdam and meet people yeah. that are super cool like you, uh, well, and you. to keep in touch and like even if just in social media yeah. and in the odd podcast it's wonderful to to know you oh thank you wow that's, that's, oh my god I feel like I'm right. yeah <laughs> well wonderful to know you too and yeah thanks for having me on it was a lot of fun Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me at, at @marianisbeats on Twitter and Instagram for all dowdy updates. As all podcasts will tell you, all rates and reviews will be super welcome. And do share the podcast with your friends or on your socials. Hashtag #dowdypod. I would also like to know your pics of people who, to you, are examples of bravery. Share them on your reviews or tweet them at me. Huge, huge thank you to Champagne for the podcast jingle and a bunch of other things that are on podcast related. If you've enjoyed listening to Dowdy, have some spare to give, and would like to support me and help me improve on my tech and skills, all tips are welcome through PayPal and Coffee on at Mariana's Beats. I've been Mariana Feijó. Until next week.